Hi, welcome to Havilah's podcast. I'm Havilah Cunnington. I'm so glad you're here. We are wrapping up our September series on purpose-driven habits. And if you found us from the That Sounds Fun Network, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, We had a bunch of new listeners. And if you are brand new, this is a series. So we've done about two other um, podcasts before this about uh, purpose-driven habits. And so if you are like, I feel like I'm jumping into the middle of something, I would go back and jump into that second week of September and you can start this whole series. But if you don't have time, it's okay. Hang out with us today. I promise it'll be a complete thought. Now I am not alone. I have my friend and the expert in my life on habits. Jenna Zent is here with me. Hey Jenna. Hey friend. (laughs) I'm really glad you're here. It has been an incredible month. Um, I've just got tons of feedback from far and wide, really, of people that have loved this series. Mm. We're talking about purpose-driven habits. Last week, we talked about the emotion of the habit, building that kind of uh, inner narrative towards how do we make that habit? How do we have our heart connected to what we're doing? And today, Jenna, what are we talking about? What's the main thought? We're going to talk about the purpose behind the habit, because I think we can get in the nuanced of starting small, but like, why does it matter? Yeah. Especially as like believers, like what's our bigger why? Like, where are we headed with this rather than just being people who have cleaner houses or more on time or have your kids schedule or shower schedule more <laughs> nailed in. That's been something I've been working on. <laughs> That's real. It's so real. They fight you so hard. You're so like, oh. I'll never forget when I was talking to you about working out because you went from, you've, you've always been active. So I don't want to give the idea that you just, you know, you're not active. You've always been active. You live. I'm like a golden retriever with a lot of energy. <laughs> and if I don't burn a little off, I overwhelm everybody. I'm like, oh yes. But I saw you setting some significant goals. You got certified in a spin class and you, you you threw a spin class party for your, for your birthday. I saw you run, uh, races and half marathons and all those things, but I'll never forget when I was trying to get inspired. And I asked you, Jenna, how did, how do you stay inspired? And you said, I decided that I don't want to, I want, I want to, excuse me, I want to age well. And that is why I work hard to be healthy. Mm. And that was kind of like, well, first of all, I thought, oh no, I'm kind of late to the game. (laughs) (laughs) You're like seven years older than me. No, it's not that bad. You lost your window. (laughs) I know, I know. But secondly, oh, you found a why. And I honestly was kind of shocked that I hadn't thought like that. So how did you start knowing to find your why? I think for me, I realized that like when the the habits were helpful, but on days that I was tired, so like even the exercise or, or it was bad weather or I overslept or didn't get good sleep last night, if I didn't have a clear, like true vision of why I w- it was worth it, I would let the inconvenience derail me. Even if I started really small of only 10 minutes, it's just, it's honestly when the honeymoon phase wears off and you're like, I think I heard it was like week five or six for a lot of new change is usually when you like fall off and it's when inconveniences pop up most often or even good, you know, sickness is not just an inconvenience. It's a legit reason Um, for me realizing like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds or I care about like these smaller goals I would lose emotional connection with. And they just weren't enough to motivate me past, like almost to pull me over the speed bumps of inconveniences. So I just got better at like, what's the big picture? Like, why does this actually matter? And to be honest, like some of my habits, it was not, um, 
an obvious first, like, this is my why that will motivate me for the rest of my life, you know? But as I like dug in, I would ask myself on my runs, like, why does this matter? Or on my walks, like, why is this important? If it, if I've stopped making, if it's no longer anything about my weight and it's not about like, cause that's too shallow for me. That's not actually going to make me show up on days. I don't want to show up like what will. And for me realizing like, Oh, all these crazy stats about how much just movement or a little bit of weightlifting can totally change how we age. It changed my, and then watching, um, my kids interact with different folks who are like 65 plus and the ones that have maintained and cared for their body, nothing crazy could had so many more options for connections with Mm. my kids where the ones who had a lot of health issues and a lot of them were due to not maintaining, like not maintaining their bodies, you know, even just small habits. Um, they were so limited. It was like on the couch or it was watching a show. So for me realizing like, Oh, how I age is going to affect my connection options for my grandkids. Like that was huge. So that went from, this is about me fitting into my jeans to, Oh no, like I'm lying to myself. If I don't think my day-to-day actions are going to affect the kind of grandma I am in like 20 or 30 years. Like I actually want to own that and be responsible because I I feel teary. I'm like, I want to have all the options to connect with my grandkids. I want to be able to do what they're doing, walk on the beat, you know, surf with them, ride bikes. And I want to be able to like, and the choices I'm making now are feeding and investing that. So I think of every time I do it, it's an investment to become the kind of grandma I want to be or age the way I want to age. Okay. So let's talk about cleaning your house. Why do you keep your house clean when you think it all starts again tomorrow? (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so (laughs) real with kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was probably about six weeks in. I was like, wait, this will never end. There's no arrival point or line. So I had like, again, I had to ask myself, I'm like, okay, what's a bigger why? Like, how can I tie it into my identity? And even just like, as a believer, like some of the purpose on my life, some of the words that have been spoken over me or the callings that I know I'm meant to operate in my husband. I'm like, that is where longevity. If I can anchor this little action into like who I'm becoming and who I'm called to be, that gives me so much more of like momentum and motivation. Cause it's like an identity, not just a goal, you know, a daily goal. So for my house cleaning to me, I'm like, Oh, actually I want to automate the more mundane things so that when my kids need me or they have an emotional outburst, I'm not choosing between what's the most urgent. Like I would neglect my dishes and then they'd be so urgent because we'd have no, no dishes, no silverware. We had like a week and a half, two weeks of dishes on the counter, truly (laughs) different seasons of life. I'm like, that's not an exaggeration. So then if something happened, like a friend had an emergency or, um, and I wanted to cook them a meal, like I couldn't even get there because I was so back. And I was like, Oh, I thought this doesn't, this isn't holding me back. And I thought, but really it's actually the foundation of me having the margin to show up who I want to be. So for me, it's like, I automate the most more mundane things on my house so that I can choose how I give my best energy. So if something happens that my kids need me more, no problem. My laundry, this load can wait till tomorrow because I'm not three weeks behind. I can just miss a day versus, and then, and then it's enabled me to like, as I've asked myself why more, I realized that, oh, now that we're like a year and a half into having a much cleaner house, I'm hosting so much more than I ever did. And that's one of the whys on our life. Like one of the words that I feel like Aaron and I are meant to be community, my husband, be community builders. And we're actually meant to facilitate like health and healing for other people who haven't felt like they have a spot or even showing them like, how do we do life? Let's figure this out together. Like, how do we build a tribe? And instead of waiting for someone to invite us into their tribe, actually being tribe builders. And that requires like a location a lot of times. And often it was like, oh, I want, I have the heart but because my house is so trashed, I can't be that. So then I would, how often my lack of my habits were stopping me from 
building community in just a real practical way, which I don't think I connected the dots until I found the difference. And I was like, I told my husband one day, I was like, man, we are like hosting probably three or four times more than we ever did. And he was like, yeah, it's because now to clean up, to be host ready, it takes us 30 minutes where before it would take us a half day. So we didn't have that margin. So we'd say no to hosting. So it's been beautiful being like, oh, we get to build. We are actually living more in our calling of being community builders and bringing like healing and restoration for people in, in, in health and relationships because of a cleaner house. You don't want to think it's that you want to think it's learning more about relationships. Like, I think this is what I told myself and that's totally part of it. And it's getting healthier yourself and like growing in love. But if you don't have a literal place, like when your friend who doesn't have enough friends to host their baby shower, doesn't have somewhere to host their baby shower, but your house is so trashed, you can't be that either. Like I can't give her that very practical act of love, you know? So that has been huge for me. Like, Oh, I'm creating, um, I'm having this be a place that community can be built when it's clean enough. And then even realizing that it's safer, like chaos. When you walk into a house, it's chaotic. It doesn't feel safe. And your awareness of like, I can show up and be safe and maybe engage emotionally is not there because there's no margin, whether or not people are aware of it or not. Like, you know what it feels like to like sit somewhere chaotic and crusty. You're like, what am I sitting on? You're not thinking maybe this person's safe enough for me to share your heart. You're like, okay, don't get any stains on my new outfit. So I've just been shocked about how much it's actually part. It's a piece in the puzzle of my identity. Like so many of my little habits, like even, um, last week we got to, uh, take some of Audrey's friends on a field trip. And it was a big deal that their mom trusted us to say, yes, like we know there's a lot of backstory there. And I felt so honored. And that morning when I was cleaning my car, I could get teary. I actually started crying because I have a Mm. weekly habit of vacuuming out my car. And as I was vacuuming, I was so aware of like, oh, like I've been learning for a year and a half how to maintain peaceful environments so that we can bring and facilitate peaceful interactions and we can be a safe place for people. And this is one of those incidents that like I've been trusted. I've been like honestly stewarding the small for this moment. And now we get to be so safe for these kids and be so fun and do all the extra things that maybe would have just even stopped me from participating if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I also, um, I know my big why is Ben functions better in peace. So Mm. my why of connection is habits of keeping things clean. So when we're together, he is not busy cleaning up and I'm sitting there going, it's fine. (laughs) But that why of, I want, I want to set him up for success. So some of our habits can be connected to love. It can be connected to connection rather than just, I want to clean house. Well, I may not need that, but my habit of the why is connected to helping someone or loving someone. You are so good. You're an expert, I would say, at habits of connection and relationships with friendships. Mm. And I think as a culture, we get this so wrong and not to derail the the conversation, oh, but you are so like, I remember when we first started a friendship, um, I walked out my front door and you had some flowers and like a, some kind of fun little gift. And you had it sitting on my doorstop and you said, I dropped something off. I saw this and thought of you. I know this is your favorite. Just that was like, wow. Like I remember it was probably like eight years ago, but I remember that was just this moment of connection that you just kind of went, I'm going to do this. So, um, you taught a class, you've been teaching a class for all of our women at Bethel with a couple hundred women. And you talked about, um, 
kind of this idea of, okay, I want to do a dinner for someone that needs it, but I'm not going to sit and cook a dinner. If I can't even cook a dinner for my family, I'm not going to sit and make two dinners. 100%. So you talked about that. And I think that was so practical. Can you explain a little bit about how your habits connect to the why of being maybe a, a great friend or a great yeah. leader in your life? I think, I think that's been such a key. It's almost just like a heart posture. You could be doing the same things, but without realizing your vote to like your purpose or who you are or like the person you're called to be. And it totally shifts everything, you know? So if you're cleaning your house out of control because you feel unsafe, that's probably not going to yield the same fruit of like, oh, I'm, I'm facilitating connection and creating a safe resting spot. And, and it's almost in the defense of yeah. fear, anxiety, and shame rather than offensively saying, I'm doing this because I'm voting towards who I want to be and what I value. And what's going to happen here too. What's yeah. going to happen? Like I'm prepping the environment so that like connection and love and life can happen versus yeah. like, yeah, control. <laughs> um, so for me with friendship stuff, like it's been so shocking. It's, it's interesting. Cause like, it's so cool that we are so interconnected with Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest, but then how often I feel like we're naturally it's ramped up idealism and perfectionism with how we show up for people or what it looks like to show up for a friend with a meal. So then we think like, I caught myself so often like, Oh, like if I drop that gift off, Often if I drop a gift off, it's literally in the package from the store or it's in the Trader Joe's bag or whatever versus in my head, my idealism would be like, oh, like if you really want to like to bless her or be cool or, you know, be extravagant, you would get a gift bag, you get really great tissue paper, you'd whatever, you'd make something, you'd hand make a card, I don't know. But often it's just that thing. And I used to let idealism of how I would love to show up if I had all the time and money in the world, stop me from just doing little votes of connection or love. Like, Hey, I was thinking about you. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is I stopped listening to that voice of idealism. Like, Oh, maybe I can't do a Pinterest level nine, but I could do a level one. I could just give her a thought, like, sow a seed of love is kind of how I think about those little actions. And that's always valuable even if it's not beautiful and Pinterestable. What you know? do you tell yourself when you go, okay, I can't make them a meal, but I can pick up an extra rotisserie oh chicken. My gosh, all how the do time. You, yeah. How do you tell yourself that's okay? I get stuck and I can't land. I'm like, oh, they're going to like, it's either like think they're going to judge me or feel shame that it's not what it could be. And I just think how a lot of times I'm like, how would I feel though? If the roles are reverse and they knew my kid was in the hospital and they did not, I know the life they live. And they didn't have time to make me a meal, but they gave me a chicken. And they said they saw, like, that just me. I would hear, I see you. Mm. I'm sorry. We're with you. Yes, I said we're praying, but here's just evidence that you're literally on my mind. And I, like, let us know what else you can do. Because that's the interesting part of um, being in trauma. Because oftentimes my chickens, my I'm famous <laughs> for, I usually now one of my habits when I go to Costco is just buying an extra rotisserie chicken. Because I'm like, I have someone who's probably sick or spouses out of town or is just you know, have something that like an easy meal would make them feel loved in a way that flowers maybe wouldn't, you know, so many of us are in the trenches of practical mom life that it's like, yep, I'll take the rotisserie chicken over that <laughs> chrysanthemum or succulent any day, you know, anyways, but, um, this idea of, oh, I know when we were in, when my daughter was, um, had her diabetes and we got flown to a uh, hospital a long ways away. So many of our friends wanted to be there for us and would text us like, how, just let me know, how can I help? And I believed them, but I was so overwhelmed with mm -hmm. the trauma that I had literally zero margin to think how to tell them to help me. And then I got confronted with just some well-meaning people, which I honestly have done to other people where like, why didn't you ask me? I could have helped you. I wanted to help you. And in that moment I realized like, oh, 
it just shifted everything for me. I'm like, when people are in crisis, they don't have the margin to tell me how to help them. I know if I know a food or a meal is always practical. Worst case scenario, they literally throw the chicken away, but at least I made an effort. Like, I don't want to make it your job to tell you or you to figure out one more thing on your task list of how I can love you well. Here, I'll just give you this. Like, this is know you're you're seen, you're loved. Here's a little bit of support in a very practical way. And it's five dollars. You know, it's like sometimes we think it needs to be steak and all the things, but just that practical. You you were really good at sometimes you've in the midst of my life, you've sent me like Walmart drop-off food, like just here, here's you know, ice cream or celebration. And it it's not formal, but it's the like that connection. So I think of it as life on life. I yeah. think we get really stuck in curating moments. Mm. And I'm like, I just don't think we're meant, if I got stuck as my um, like bar for showing up was curated, then I'm going to show up a lot less, but I care about being in your life a lot more. So I'll pick the real moments so that I can be there more. Cause that's what I have the margin for than I do curation. I love that. Okay. So your why, when you started doing it, you obviously went past the perfection and the level 10 Pinterest moment. What was your why? Your why was, what I heard is empathy. I think yeah. some of your habits were directed to, I know what it's like to be there. 100%. And so there's a shift between how I am seen versus what I want others to experience from me. Oh, that's a good right? point. Yeah. You're drawing connections. I, I'm think just it's so thinking, true. Yeah. I mean, even you saying, yeah. I want to be there for my grandkids is I'm putting others ahead of me. I'm thinking that I'm not going to, I don't want to get out and move. And then 20 years from now, I can't get off the couch. And that doesn't put them before me. I'm putting them before me. So your why is almost selfless in some ways. Mm-hmm. Your habits are directed to not selfishness. I'm going to go run 10 miles so I look cute in the bathing suit. Yeah. But I want to be there for the people I love most. I'm going to... So there's such an exchange. And I think that that is... I think some of the things you've talked about, and we've spent a lot of time talking about this personally, I've actually attended your masterclass for weeks. Uh, You're teaching all of our women right now. There is this um, God-likeness, this this godliness to habits. It's the powerfulness that says, I'm going to own my life, even if it's not perfect. I'm going to own my choices, and I'm going to be linked to my purpose. So you and I had a long conversation about you know, I always say, if you can't, if you want to change the world, but you can't change your sheets, I don't know how that's going to happen. Right. Or if you want to run a, if you want to have a nonprofit, but you can't balance your budget, it sabotages your purpose. And so can we talk about that for a minute? How does, if we don't have the margin, the finances, the resources, um, if we don't have that organized or don't have a habit around it, it literally hurts us to get to where we want to go. So how, how do we, Get more, how do we figure that out? Yeah, I think it's so the idea that if we're always living out of overwhelm, even if we have like something that like a word we feel like we're meant to do, like starting a ministry for X, Y, or Z, or like to minister to, you know, single moms or something like that. But if you're living in overwhelmed in your own life and you're living in chaos, your best intentions of that ministry, it's going to be so much harder because you don't have, it's like built on a foundation that's very unstable and watching like, oh, if it does let's hope it doesn't, but in three years, if it doesn't work out and it closes the ministry, I'm like, I bet you could draw a direct correlation to like, oh, I actually didn't have the capacity to build that. That was a word on my life, but I was so overwhelmed and chaotic with my home or this, these more like honestly foundational things, not in a way to be judgmental, but like, how can you build if you don't have margin? How can we build if we're living out of overwhelmed? Like we don't, 
have the capacity. We want to sometimes buildings way prettier and kind of um, more fun and glamorous and you get the accolades for it. But the idea of like kind of tighten it up at home before and metaphorically home, like the area that you feel stuck in, get unstuck, buy back some of that before you invest in the next season of like building. Yeah. Because I think internally you do feel like an imposter or you are being almost like hypocritical when you're have this one part of your life really great, but yeah. deep down, you know, I'm not really stewarding my, my body, my, my health, my, you know, whatever it is. Um, I have two questions. First question. Um, what do I do when I want to have a habit, but I have a spouse or I'm in a, in a roommate situation where they don't want to participate, or I don't know how to change it because I want to keep a clean kitchen, but nobody wants to keep it. And then all I'm going to do is clean the kitchen every night. Or, you know, I want to be healthy and have good food in the house, but nobody, everyone gets mad if I don't buy the food that they want me to buy. Those are some questions that I think we kind of get stuck. So how did you untangle that part of you? of getting, staying powerful or becoming powerful without making other people be make so the choice. It's such a real part. You're like, once you get some traction and then you're like, oh, I realize all the speed bumps <laughs> around me are these people. It's not me. I'm no longer the speed bump. But then, so then don't make my mistake. I then would helped my husband. I gave him all the habits that he could do. <laughs> and that went, as you can imagine, and it felt controlled and he didn't, you know, he felt mothered. It was not, it did not work. <laughs> but then I felt like a little bitter and stuck like, oh, I can't, I'm stuck with making this progress because you're my limit. And I just felt like the Lord had a moment with me. He's like, oh, don't play the blame game. Don't waste time with, yes, there are things that they're directly affecting your environment. That's true. But if you focus on them, you lose sight of like the 180 other degrees of this equation that you can do something about. So for me, like, can you trust me and them? Like, can you trust me in their process is actually more true. I used to think like, can I trust you and them? And I'm like, I don't know. That's my nine-year-old. I want to, but, but the Lord's like, okay, can you trust me? Am I trustworthy that if I'm in their process, you go handle what you can do something about and let's see what grows in their life rather than me micromanaging their own growth. And it's like, it doesn't mean that there's not pain. And then when I do encounter limits, maybe because of other people, like I can express my pain with the Lord, but I don't blame. There's like a real big difference Mm. when I'm like blaming when I limit my own options and put down what I can do and power and I get stuck. It's like codependency. I get stuck. I'm here because you're here. But like, actually, you can entirely do something. And then the cool part is I have watched time and time again when you actually let down, let go of control and go after a journey of growth in your own life that is not secretly waiting for the other person to be inspired Mm -hmm. when it's actually truly for you. You know what I mean? Like I do, I'm not, I don't have a secret message in all this. My husband has like come up in all the areas. Some of them it's taken three weeks. Sometimes it took nine months. Sometimes it's taken two years, but I just, every time I start to do the blame game, I like go back to the Lord. He's like, okay, talk to me. Am I trustworthy in this process? Do you trust me again? You're starting to micromanage. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it back to you. Like your time frame and mine are so different. So I will clean, I will do the dishes and I, if I, how do I, and this sounds terrible, but how do I not become the person that is just working all the time. That's the thing. You know the what I mean? beautiful thing is like, I think it's switched for me. I'm like, oh, it's 10 minutes of cleaning. If it's totally out of your control and they're going to okay. trash it again with my kids or whatever. That's why I don't keep my car perfect. I just clean it once. I vacuum it once a week because I can't 
have perfect be my standard and not try to control my kids because there's so much in my car. So I'm like, okay, give it 10 minutes for your kitchen and they're going to see a difference. And sometimes I'll be like, babe, I've been doing the dishes for like three weeks. And he's like, <laughs> I noticed. And then his awareness, just like, I think I'm going to do the, the, um, the Island. I'm going to start wiping it off again. I didn't notice, but the idea of, Oh, I like how this feels. I wonder how else if I gave, if you're only giving it 10 minutes, what if I only gave it 10 minutes, um, has really changed a ton. So just limit yourself. And then too, like, honestly, there are some habits that I was a little more bitter about doing than others. Okay. I'm going to be totally honest. <laughs> we couldn't afford a landscaper. So we let it go. And then his value for lawn care and mine are different. And I felt really judgmental for a long time. Cause I was like, mine's right. <laughs> like what I think our lawn should look like and what you like, I am the uh -huh. right one. You are the less. And then the Lord just convicted me. So then I started mowing my, he's like, Hey, if you want your lawn mode, you can do it yourself. And I bitter mode for like weeks, you guys. Oh my gosh. I wish I could say that I had such a great attitude, but then the Lord was like, why are you so upset? I'm like, cause this is a man's job. And he's like, Oh, just like it was a female's job to get up at night with your, like all the other areas that your husband has stepped up on and that done. a 1950s husband would not do. You're being so <laughs> hypocritical. I'm like you're right. So then I had to be like, I'm mowing my life. Why is this connected to me? I'm not showing him. I'm not proving him. I'm not carrying some of the weight he's not carrying. I'm mowing my lawn because I can do hard things. I'm mowing my lawn because I'm, I've like, I'm a homeowner who's responsible and I can tell myself what to do and do it. And I had to re every time blame started, I'm like, what about yeah. me? Why am I doing this? Not Finding your power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember Walt Disney. Um, I, we did this tour years ago and they said, if you ever go to Disneyland, everyone's always cleaning up. Like you see people going up and down the street and all their workers clean all the time. Like everything is just really immaculate. And Walt's core thing was if you take care of things, people will do what they see you do. So if we keep oh. it clean, then people are more prone to throw their trash away. And so it was a, it was almost like a subconscious reality that we keep this place clean. That's who we are. That's so good. And so I love what you're saying, which is you do your part and subconsciously even with the people oh. around you, they'll start to pick up on it. Even my kids will be like, oh, mom. Like, I remember my daughter the other day. She's like, I did my habit of putting our shoes away. And I've never told her that was a habit. But the awareness of she's probably seen me put them away so many times and not bitterly that she then was like, I want to make sure to help. Like she said, I want to help you keep it clean versus like mom controlling us, which was like really cool. I actually was going to say, I think that habits are literally like in the very simplistic way, co-laboring with who you're meant to be and who you're called to be. Like it feels wait, like- Wait, say that again, because that was so good. are like co-laboring with the words on your life. And I think if you can actually connect with, I don't know, um, I, I led a missions trip last year because I want my kids to experience like service like that, like not just in our first world nation and there wasn't any options. So I was like, okay, I'm going to lead it. That's a lot. I have a lot on my plate already. Am I prepared for this? And every- two weeks that we had a meeting for nine months, I felt the like cost of it and the inconvenience. Mm. And I almost, I'm like, should I cancel? Why am I doing this? And it would be those moments. I'm like, Oh, what's my why? Like whenever inconvenience tries to talk me out of some of my habits, that's when I have to pull out my, like, how is this co-laboring with my purpose on my life? Like, how is this co-laboring with like the words and who I'm supposed to be? Like how I'm supposed to show up? Like what's the calling on my life? And then it just quickly like, Oh yeah, the cost of inconvenience fades. Cause I think in our world, we get the cost of inconvenience. We take as feedback as a lot, like we're not supposed to, we're not meant to, but I'm like, Oh, actually uncomfortable is okay. You know, especially when it's tied to like, I want to raise my kids this way. This is uncomfortable and inconvenient. That's okay. I can show up because I'm becoming like, I'm raising kids who will like serve and who will learn how to like minister to other kids. And I care about the moms that I'm building this with. There's so much more purpose. If I actually sit and like remind myself how this is tied to who I'm becoming, the inconvenience just fades, you know, how many moms went on that trip? 
We had 12 moms and like 15 kids and we built a house in a weekend. We literally were laughing because we all our husbands were like, are you going to be able to build a house without us? <laughs> and I was all like, yeah. And then we got there and I was like, are they handed me a nail gun and they said, go make the roof. And I was like, oh, oh, am I going to be able to do this without my husband? <laughs> but it was so cool and beautiful. And we actually like empowered the kids to teach them how to like give words and like pray over people and watching our kids step out in ways. And they're all my friends, kids. So it wasn't strangers, kids. Yeah. It had so many layers of purpose that I was like, I'm so glad I didn't let inconvenience every week that a meeting came up, talk me out of this because I wouldn't be able to taste it, taste this if I didn't have all those little habits and meetings that led up to this, you know? Oh, so good. So the big takeaway is that when we have habits, we're co-laboring, we're taking votes towards our big purpose. And yeah. if you get your why, then it makes the inconvenience, you're more consistent. And also, and we know this as well, when you have habits, they immediately eventually become automatic, yeah. which then is, doesn't take as much effort. So, true. so then you're, you're almost subconsciously taking votes towards your purpose without having to fight to do that. So it's going to be uncomfortable in, in the beginning, yeah. but you're going to get there. Jenna, this has been phenomenal. This whole series, um, there's so much here. And I know there are those that are listening that want more. They're mm. like, this is so good, but I want to talk about my house more. I want to talk about my kids more. I want to talk about my finances. I want to talk about my health and I want hacks. I want to know how to do this. And this is really, I really, when we talked about this, this is why you created your habit lab master course. And it is a, it's how many weeks is it? It's 10 weeks, 10 weeks. It is a, it has a start and a stop, which means we onboard into the class. It's a, it's a full school and habits really for 10 weeks. And we have it open. The doors are open. It's closing very soon. We I have a lot like, of people that have already if you're signed listening, up. Go now if you're interested, because <laughs> the chances are the registration is closing soon. Yeah. Every week we do a live call and we have an in-person and a virtual one. And it's an hour of teaching followed by 30 minutes of small group just to digest like what you learned. And instantly people are like, okay, I live in another country or how will that work? It's recorded. So if you can't show up for the live, you get all the same things minus the small group, which we actually have a private Facebook group that the folks who aren't able to attend the, the live class will get on and still get the benefits of the community by being involved and like active on the Facebook group, which is so cool. And then every week there's like about a 15 minute homework video with a 15 minute read, written exercise that goes with it. So it's 10 weeks. It starts October 2nd. If you're hearing this and you want to join me, you got, <laughs> go now, go now, bye go now. now. <laughs> it's in the link is in um, our show notes, or you can go to I would say truth to table.com slash habits. So it's truth to table.com, which is our normal. Yeah. I, if you've never heard, I, it's like farm to fork truth to table.com slash habits. Um, it is open right now for registration. Uh, it is not, it's men and women, couples, uh, moms and daughters or uh, fathers and sons. It's, it's really anybody and everybody is, can, do this. I get asked a lot about the demographic and I would say like 40% are 30 to 45. I'd say 20% are 45 to 55. And then the rest, whatever the number is, is over, um, 55. So yeah. there's actually a pretty good spread because people have been like, are they all young moms yeah. like you? And I'm no. like, nope, no, there's a lot of, um, grandmas in there and empty nesters. It's business just owners, yeah. professionals. Pastors, yeah. Yeah. Pastors. I mean, it's a diverse group of people because these habits are not just about having to toddlers. I mean, this really is yeah. growing. We, we talk about morning routines, 
evening routines, uh, learning what kind of habits you want to start building those habits, having accountability to those habits. And then also it's really what she's teaching is the strategy to building these habits and the accountability. So you can continue this for the rest of your life and build the life you want to build. I use a lot of this even now with my teens, learning how to parent my teens with habits. I learn it with my husband and I, Uh, we talk about what habit can we build around this core value. So it is a lifestyle kind of a, it's a 10 week. It is an investment. It's not a free class. This is a masterclass. We open the doors, we close the doors and anybody who's in it has invested significant to be there. Uh, So make sure you go to truththetable.com slash habits. Join us. This is the only one we have going on right now. I don't know when the next one will be. I definitely not this year. So make sure you jump in. If you live in Reading, you can attend in person. I'm so excited. This is one of my, the in-person one I love too. I'm so excited. But if you are anywhere in the world, there is a um, an online experience. And all of that is there. If you go there, I promise all of that is there. Join us. We've already had tons of people join us in both of those worlds. And um, if nothing else, we are so excited about your life, what God is doing. And our goal here is to bring some truth to your table. And today it was the truth that your habits are about co-laboring toward your purpose. And so Jenna, thanks for being with us. Uh, I'm glad that you're in our life. And here's the thing, you're going to hear more from Jenna because she's uh, sh- what she's doing, uh, Truth the Table is championing as well and partnering. So we love you guys. Have a great day. If nothing else, we will see you next time. And if you love this podcast, uh, Jenna will specifically go into those comments and read anything that you loved about this podcast. Um, That's so true. Make sure you name her. <laughs> make sure you name her and let her know because then she can go in and read. I'm a words of affirmation a words girl of affirmation. too. So like, you know, that's true. Yes, it is. And so write those comments or the five star. Uh, I promise it's super easy to do. And it really does mean a lot to us yeah. um, as podcasters. Okay, you guys have a great week and we'll see you next time.